Well, good morning, Lakeview family and any guests who are joining us today. Welcome to our April 19th stream of our Sunday service. My name is Pastor Evan, and this is now our sixth Sunday of doing this. And I've got many different thoughts and feelings about that. But you know what stands out to me most is that God has been sustaining his people. And we've just been so encouraged to hear reports of physical recovery, of answers to prayer, of people being strengthened in their faith, of how God has kept us knitted together as a community, even while we are scattered and not able to be physically in the same place. And so we're going to bring our worship to him this morning and give him glory. And we're grateful to have our worship leader, Eric Schmoltz, back with us again, recovered, and he's going to lead us in song this morning. And then I'll share a few announcements and give us an opportunity to bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord. And then Pastor Keith will bring us God's word. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. God, you have been watching over your people. And you tell us that you are watching over your word to perform it. God, that's what we want, Lord. The, the word that will be sung the words that we are about to hear, we, we desire their intended effect in our lives. Lord, send your spirit. Lord, give us receptive hearts, eager to listen, eager to embrace your will for us. In Jesus' name. Well, good morning, Lakeview family. It's good to be together again, even though we're apart uh, just looking forward to spending some time singing to the Lord, singing His truth, worshiping Him together. Let's let God's Word frame our time and let's let it call us to worship Him. I'm going to read from Psalm 34. It says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So we're going to spend the next few moments doing. So let's do that. Let's exalt the name of the Lord. Let's bless him. Let's magnify him together. Let's sing this. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. I worship his holy name. Sing like now. Worship your holy name. The sun comes up. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass. Let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. I worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. I worship Your voice.
time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then forever bless the Lord oh my soul oh my soul I worship his soul worship your holy name I will worship your holy name yes we will Lord worship you oh Lord Redeemer, greatest treasure of my longing soul. My God, like you, there is no other. True delight is found in you alone. Your grace. A well too deep to fathom. Your love exceeds the heaven's reach. Your truth, a fount of perfect wisdom. My highest good and my unending Sometimes in our gatherings, we, if you come here uh, to the church, you, you know that we will take some time to listen from the Lord. Uh, some members of the, ch- the, the congregation might receive a word from the Lord, a word of prophecy or a word of encouragement to the body. And we have a brother who has spent some time with the Lord this week and, and feels like he's received something from God to share with us. So we're going to allow him to, to uh, allow Chris to share that word with us right now. So let's, let's take some time to just focus on this word and see how this might be the Lord speaking to us. Let's consider this. 
I believe the Lord would like to have me share a picture today. One of my sons did not like to take naps as a child. He'd be grouchy, stressed, overtired, but he'd still strongly resist my wife's attempts to help him get rest. Then he would cry angrily in his bed until he would finally exhaust himself and he would fall asleep. I believe the Lord is saying that he has put many of us in a period of enforced rest during our time of social distancing. I believe the Lord is saying it was not long ago that some of us had lives that were hectic to the point of exhaustion. It seems that while you were aware that you needed to take steps to slow down, you were unable to do so. Now, whether it is work or school that's been canceled, this present slowdown is not of your choosing, and you've responded with resisting. You've been letting everyone around you know your displeasure over the whole lockdown. You have even said, I'm so done with this. Hebrews 4, 11 and 12 states, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I believe the Lord is saying we need to strive against our stubbornness, against our willfulness to embrace and to embrace the rest which the Lord has placed us in. We need to yield to this time as to the Lord and also to be ready for the Word of God to help us to learn much about ourselves. continue singing, just allow that word to encourage you, not to discourage you, but to encourage you to run to the Lord, to accept what he's given to us as an opportunity for rest, and let's not resist the rest that he's given to us. As we sing, let's, let's turn our attention to him and find rest in his, his ability, his sufficiency, his worth. He's a good God to us and a mighty fortress. Let's sing this together. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer, strong defender of my weary heart, my sword to fight the cruel deceiver, and my shield against his hateful darts, my song when enemies surround me, my hope when tides of sorrow rise, my joy, yes, is when trials are abounding, your faithfulness, my refuge in the 
oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer, gracious Savior of my ruined life, my guilt and cross laid on your shoulders in my place. You suffered, bled, and died. You rose, the grave and death are conquered. You broke my bonds of sin and shame. You rose, you rose, the grave and death are conquered. You broke my bonds of sin and shame. song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you we live for you Jesus Jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever see you alone, O oh Lord. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, you alone, you alone, Jesus. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none besides you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Sing worthy, worthy of every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could receive our praise worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you Jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever save, the only one. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is 
none besides you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. magnify your name, O Lord. We put our trust in your name. We've had many temptations to trust in the news and to trust in, in our health or to trust in our finances, Lord, but we want to say right now, Lord, we want to put our trust in the name of Jesus and the only name that's worthy enough to save, the only one that's proven worthy. Lord, so we do that, Lord, we trust in you. God, as we listen to your word in a few moments, Lord, build our trust in the name of Jesus, we ask. God, because it's that name that we build our life upon, Lord. So, so help us, Lord. Open our eyes to see you afresh, see you as who you are. Lord, and give us confidence to continue walking in obedience to you and in trust in you, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this is a season when we are seeking to be strategic in our care and connection with our church body. And, and the best way for us to be able to do that is if you could fill out the LCC census. You'll find that uh, in the app under the COVID-19 section. If you click that, it'll just take a couple of minutes to, to get some updated info. You know, we 
as we've grown the past couple of years, we, we know God has been adding people to the church, and we want to be able to care for you in these times. And so it, it just take a few minutes if you could do that. We need every person who calls this church their home to, to fill out that, that census. Well, our, our hot meal program continues to be a blessing to our surrounding community. And, and this week they gave out 2,000 meals uh, to serve those in need. So very grateful uh, for Mark Udo and Pete and all the people who've been coming to, to volunteer during the week. And, and, and we're, we're going to do that for at least a couple more weeks. And so you can still sign up through the app, the sign up to serve section right there. There are two time slots where you can serve either 8 to 1030 or 10.30 to 1 on weekdays. Um, and so you can find one of those that might work for you to be able to come by and serve. Well, you know, a lot of things have gone online in these days, and now joining that club is our Alpha course. And this is a time where a lot of things feel like they've been put on pause. But what has not been put on pause is the mission of the gospel. God still has intentions for the Great Commission uh, in these days. And, and Alpha is just a means for us to partner with uh, what God wants to do right now. Uh, and so you, you've received in your email, we've posted on, on Facebook an introductory video from Frank Loria explaining what's happening. And, and there are going to be video introductions to each session of the Alpha course that will be going out. And so if you don't want to miss any of those, you can follow us on Facebook or just go ahead and click that subscribe button if you're watching this on YouTube right now and you'll get every update uh, from us video-wise in, in the days ahead. Uh, but, but for our church, these are intended to be shared, uh, to be posted on your page, uh, along with invitations to family and friends that you would have invited to the Alpha course. But, but here's a way for them to check out a, about a six-minute video from, from Frank that maybe whets their appetite to consider something more. And, and if you're a guest watching this, we'd love for you to check out Alpha as well. You'll find all of that on our YouTube account, on our Facebook page, as well as on the lakeviewchristiancenter.com website. We're going to turn our hearts to, toward the Lord as the source of our provision through the giving of our finances. And there, there are a few ways that you can do that. Uh, you can give online on our website or through the app right there. There's a give section you can use bill pay with your bank, or if you send in a check, we'll still be able to receive those and, and make a deposit um, with, with those. But in, in Galatians chapter 6, Paul introduces this thought that what we sow, we also reap. That what we invest in, God, God has organized life and he's planned the world in such a way that there is a return on what we sow. But he says this, do not be weary in doing good, because in due time you will reap the harvest. And these are certainly days where weariness is a temptation, where we have to endure another week of uncertainty, unknown factors, not sure what's to come. But what, what God encourages us here is, is don't be weary in, in doing good, that he has ordained the next good thing for us to do. And that includes sowing the seed, of, of our tithes and our offerings in these days, knowing that in the kingdom of God and his economy, he has promised blessing and reward. And God, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for your eagerness to show us kindness as we look to you in faith. And so, Lord, if we are tempted to be weary in, in whatever it is that you have called us to do, God, we, we pray for an empowering from your spirit, Lord, for an awakening of trust in you an ability to serve 
your kingdom in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Lakeview family and friends. You know, we've had a interesting time taking our services online and interacting with folks that used to attend the church and just friends that are tuning in at a great distance. Um, we've heard from folks in North Carolina this past week, in Tennessee, in Hawaii. Uh, so, uh, so grateful that we're able to connect still, even though we're not able to be here uh, in the service together. All right, it's very strange in here. Uh, this is looking more and more like a uh, TV studio than it is like a church building. And so the one thing that I'm going to ask the technical guys to do is to make me go away on that image because that guy there on that screen is about five seconds behind me and he keeps distracting me and I'm hoping that won't be the case for everybody else who's listening. All right, so if you're tuning in to uh, our messages right now, uh, this, this was the heart that, that I believe the Lord had given us during this season was to speak into this moment. And, and, and we're not just continuing in a series that we were previously doing, although that's fine for churches who are doing that, but very much felt like we were to be speaking to this moment that God is bringing us through. And so we kind of could call this maybe the, the COVID Chronicles, and this would be part six of those COVID Chronicles. And today's message is COVID-19 as explained by the prophet Isaiah. And, and I'll explain why it is that I think it's healthy, helpful for us to spend some time in prophetic books in moments like this in just a second. But, but listen to this passage that Jesus spoke to an audience that he was interacting with just as they were doing life, right? There was daily routines in life, they were doing life. And Jesus said this to them in Luke chapter 12, verse 54. He said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be a scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present moment, this present time, right? So Jesus looked out at life and he said, you know, there's more than one thing going on. There's natural stuff going on. And then there's something going on behind the scenes. And Jesus said, that is important for you to be mindful of, right? So listen, I know right now, as Evan mentioned, we are in week number six, which is hard to believe. We've been six weeks of an empty gathering place and, and doing this online instead. And during those six weeks, I know we've been asking a lot of questions, right? Um, how long is this going to go on? When will we be able to go back to work? When will we be able to get back around people? When are they going to discover a vaccine? What if they don't discover a vaccine? What if this thing comes back in the fall? Right? We've got questions. But are we asking this question? This is a question I want us to focus in on today. What does this moment mean? What does it mean? Are we living lives where the events of our life, they mean something to us? 
All right, so think with me for a second, because you have to have a little bit of a background for life to mean something. Let's just suppose for a second, and maybe there's some folks out there who are just exploring the thought of the Bible and the thought of a God who exists, etc. And I'm so grateful that you would spend time with us thinking about life right now together. But let's just suppose that the way that we all got here was that a long, 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 long time ago, some random event took place where for an unexplainable, even scientifically unexplainable reason, pressure built up in a non-existent universe where there was no space and no matter, but out of nowhere, for no explainable reason, pressure was created. And then that pressure created this massive explosion of things that no one can explain existed and randomly molecules and atoms and quarks and tiny little particles flew throughout a universe that didn't really exist and they just randomly just found each other and began to be attracted to each other and came together and and formed stuff material things begin to form and out of those material things inexplainably something called life emerged and out of that life became intelligence and intelligent life and beings who could see and feel and experience and have memories and process our existence in a way that this moment right now suddenly matters to us for some unexplainable reason listen if we're just a random chance accident of who knows where we came from and why we're even here well then does this moment have any meaning Maybe it's just the next random event, like an explosion that gave birth to a bunch of stuff. This is just an event that's got no meaning to it, so stop looking for meaning in it. But you know what doesn't make sense? If that's how we're greeting this, why? Why are we being so careful right now? Why are we spending trillions of dollars to care for the needs of some of these living people? Why are we social distancing? Why are we being so careful that we don't get around certain people because that could have a detrimental impact on their lives. But, 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 but wait, if we're just random accidental creatures who there's no purpose for our lives and maybe somebody's random life is going to be cut a little bit short, but, but where was it going anyway? So it was going to be 87 years, now it's going to be 84 years, or it's going to be 70 years. It's just going to be a little shorter, but it's, it's going to just go away anyway. Is that all of our lives and that's really all we're about? Because if that's the case, then this just sounds like the next chapter in the survival of the fittest. And the way the game gets played in the survival of the fittest is the fit survive and the non-fit don't. And that's just the way the game is played. So I'm not sure why we're being so careful, why government programs are in place, while the whole world is shutting things down, trying to figure out how to manage this thing. Just let the non-fit people die and we'll just move on. But that's not how we're treating this, is it? We're acting as though human life matters. We're acting as though our lives have meaning. And personally, I believe they do. Because I believe that there is a God who personally had intentions, who out of nothing, there wasn't an explosion. There was a God who intentionally formed and created the universe that we live in. And he created a special being named man. And he has a special relationship 
with man. And he has purposes and intentions for man. And God has a time frame. God wants certain things to happen in our world, and he doesn't want other things to happen in our world. It's personal. Now, if that's the case, then it's a good question to ask, isn't it? What does this moment mean if there's a God who has a purpose for our existence? And that's what Jesus interacted with, right? He looked out in an audience and said, hey, you guys are so wrapped up in the color of the sky and whether or not those clouds are going to bring rain or not, and you've discerned that, but behind all that, there's a God who's doing something. Have you discerned that? Have you figured out what he is up to in this moment? So Jesus threw that question out. I think it's a good question for us to throw out as well as you and I are navigating this COVID-19 event. What does this event mean? This event, like no other event in our lives, that has made us aware of our creaturely vulnerability. Right? I'm still blown away as I hear in the news today talk about uh, patient zero, Right, the idea that one human being mishandled or got around a bat and something got off of that bat and got on him in another part of the world and transferred that to paralyzing our entire world. Just an exchange with a bat did all this? Wow. That makes me feel a little bit vulnerable as a human being living life on planet Earth. I mean, that could happen again. That could happen with something much worse than this. What does this thing mean as we think through an event that has disrupted and shut down and changed all of our daily lives? Right? Just the, the routines, the social interactions that we have been doing all of our lives, we're doing them totally different all of a sudden. We just learned to do that in the last few weeks completely differently. Our jobs are different. Our finances are suddenly different. The economy, this best economy ever, uh, is suddenly different and shipwrecked. Our, our health is being done differently. Our hobbies are being done differently. Listen, listen some of us are still in mourning that there is no NBA playoffs going to be happening anytime soon. All right, March Madness was a different form of madness for the rest of us. So, and, and what about an event so powerful that it could disrupt and halt our pace problem? I appreciate the word that, that Christopher shared with us that the Lord had given him a burden for. That some of us were trying to manage a pace of life that was just exhausting, just hard to manage, right? So can you remember back when uh, you were working too much? Remember that? Not anymore, right? Remember when your kids had so much going on at, at school and extracurricular and sports and music? Remember those days? They were, just wearing you out with their schedule? Not anymore, right? Now Now you wish you had a schedule for them. They're wearing you out just hanging around the house. Uh, remember when life just had way too much stuff in it? Now we just sit around at home and there just ain't a whole lot going on. Listen, nothing has changed our world in recent human history like this one event. So what does this event mean? Well, you know, to interpret life, a good place for us to go is to the prophets in the scriptures, right? So we're going to land, if you want to open your Bible, to Isaiah chapter 45. 
give you a little bit of background information on Isaiah, who he is and what he's doing in just a moment. But, but realize this, when you open the Bible up, let me just give you a quick little side note. When you open the Bible up, it, it, it is a book, it's got a cover on each side, but it's actually many books put together into one book. And, and those different books are written intentionally by God through human authors to accomplish some different things. So there's some books in the Bible that are historical books. They're just simply trying to let us read about the history of things that God has done and how God has revealed himself through people in the past. Then there'd be other books that are intending to let us sing about God and read poetry about the beauty and the image and the wonder of God's creation. There'd be books about biographical elements. Jesus' life story gets told through the Gospels, and those are biographical books. There'd be teaching books in the Bible that are, that are written in the form of letters, where the Apostle Paul, for instance, writes down thoughts from God that he intends for people to learn particular topics and particular lessons. But then there's a, a big section of the Bible that's called the, the writing prophets. And Isaiah begins that section, and it runs all the way to the end of the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, it's, it, it's one-third of the entire Old Testament is reserved for the writing prophets. That's a bigger section in the Bible than the four Gospels occupy. So this is not a small matter that God reveals certain things through prophets. Now, when prophets show up and they speak, you've got to kind of catch what they're doing. They don't show up and say, hey, I've got a history lesson for us. And I just want to talk to you about things in the past, what God did way long ago, et cetera, et cetera. When prophets show up and speak, they're all about current events. They show up in the right now moment and they say, hey, guys, God has sent me because we need to talk. We need to talk about what's going on around us hey, uh, this has been going on for the last year, or sometimes they'd say the last 10 years or 100 years. And hey, I just want you to know how God feels about that. God wants to speak to this moment right now and let you know some things about what's happening here. That's what the prophets sound like. So that's what Isaiah is gonna sound like to us. He's a prophet. He's gonna be writing between about 750 and 720 BC. So long before Christ comes, he is speaking to the nation of Israel about an event that's taking place in their life. It involves a Persian king named Cyrus. He's actually prophesying about something that's going to be happening almost 200 years later. But he's going to explain to them, God's about to do something among you. And this is what it means. And I'm going to call this event Cyrus 19. Right? Just to pull us into the COVID-19 discussion, this is, this is Cyrus 19 the story about what God is doing in natural spaces, but behind the scenes, Isaiah is going to let everybody know. This is what, what's going on behind the scenes. So we pick this up, Isaiah chapter 45. Let's start reading here in verse 1. Isaiah says, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, right? To his anointed in this section, it, it means God's chosen one. God is going to reach into a man named Cyrus. He happens to be the king of Persia. And he's going to pick him up and use him for his purposes. Right? So thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted 
places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. And so we get introduced to this moment in history where if you're just watching the weather forecast, if you will, just watching the sun come up one day like Jesus was talking about, what you would see is out of nowhere comes this king who's got all this power and influence, and he just keeps rolling over nation after nation. He's going to conquer kingdoms. The things that had strength and were established, right? We get these phrases like the belts of kings and the doors of bronze and the bars of iron. Well, listen, the empire that was before him was the Babylonian Empire, which we'll maybe learn some more about them in the future. That empire was established. It had an economy. It had strength. It had armed forces. Nobody could overthrow them. These were the exalted places that God says, well, I just want you to know what I'm about to do is I'm about to do something that's going to conquer all that might. All that human strength, I'm going to undo it through a guy named Cyrus. Now, now, listen, again, this is important to notice that, that on the battlefield of life, just, just watching the newscast each day, the newscast doesn't tell you anything about God in this. The newscast just says, Cyrus won again. Cyrus beat another country. Cyrus put some other people under his grip. Cyrus overthrew the exalted places. Right, listen, in, in our day, we're watching newscasts that sound like that. Right? COVID-19 overthrew another exalted thing in our world. COVID-19 uh, brought transportation to a halt. You've seen all the pictures of airplanes just parked next to runways. I mean, it's staggering. We've never seen this kind of thing happen before. COVID-19 overthrows technology. COVID-19 can't be stopped. COVID-19 defeats medicine. It's not responding to this. No one knows how to stop it. COVID-19 shuts down economies all over the world. The American economy, famed to be the greatest economy in a lifetime, gets stalled and shut down, right? We went from the lowest unemployment in the history of our nation, almost, that, that's been tracked, to now we're talking recession and even depression. Just in a matter of weeks. Now listen, if you stare out at that and all you noticed is the economic report, it's like the audience Jesus was speaking to who all they noticed was, ooh, the wind's blowing from the south, probably going to be hot. There's more going on here than just some stuff that's getting shut down. That was true for Cyrus. That's true for us as well. So in verse 4, God continues. Isaiah says, For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen... I call you Cyrus 19. I call you by name. It wasn't Cyrus 19. I'm just throwing that in for extra fun. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord. There is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you don't even know me. You understand, Cyrus was going to fulfill God's purpose. God said he reached out by his hand and handpicked Cyrus to fulfill his purpose, even though Cyrus doesn't even know God. Did you know God operates in our world intentionally, 
even when no one knows he's operating in these moments. So, so don't for a second think that COVID-19 is this standalone, God's got nothing to do with it moment in our lives. No, no, it's too big for that. And God lets us know behind the scenes, he is at work. And did you know when God breaks into our world, verse four says this, for the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, right? Won't go into the details of this, but, but there's a situation going on in God's people's lives that God is going to rescue them out of. He's going to act. But, but what I want you to notice here, God says, for the sake of something. In other words, God does things for reasons. We're not a random accident in the universe. We are a people created by God to fulfill a purpose. And God is about that purpose. He is acting in this moment, verse 4, for the sake of something. Right Now look down in verse 6. The people, this is why. He says that people may know something. God is acting so that people will know something. That from the rising of the sun and from the west, that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Now listen, that's a massive statement, and in a limited amount of time I have today, I, I can't begin to unpack that there is a good God out there who loves the people that he created, and yet he also brings about calamity. I know that that sounds conflicting, and maybe in the future we can unpack that a little bit further. But, but what I just want us to notice today is when you go to look out at life and ask the question, what does this event mean? You're going to have to go behind the scenes and find out that there's a God who's acting for the sake of something. He's got a purpose he wants to fulfill. And he comes back and says, it's, it is so that people may know, that people may know something that there is a God out there that wants to know us and that we were designed to know him. God's doing that in this day. In the day where God reached out and grabbed Cyrus 19 and gave him power to sweep across the globe and bring one nation after another under his governorship so that one day God could use him to turn to God's people and say, hey, you guys get to go free from Babylonian captivity. That's what Cyrus is going to be used for in the future. But he's about to arrest economies. He's about to shut down nations. He's about to overthrow governments. And God is the one saying, I'm the one acting in the midst of all this chaos. Listen, things in our world mean something because there is a God who is personal and he's involved in our lives. Look in verse 8. God says, Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. 
What is God interested in in these moments, in these Cyrus 19 or COVID 19 moments? What is God interested in? God wants there to be a showering and the earth bringing forth the fruit of salvation and righteousness. You know, I, I know people are starting to pray more than ever and they're asking God to do things. So when you ask this supernatural God to, to break into this moment and do something, do you stop and think for a moment, what does he want right now? What is God after in this moment? Listen, I know what I'm after, and you probably know what you're after. I know what I'm afraid of. I know what I, I want God to come and fix right now because I'm panicked and freaked out, and, and maybe you can identify your list too. So, so maybe our great priority is, is our retirement portfolio. And I get that. If, if you're facing retirement in the next five to 10 years, this is a scary moment. I get that. So our prayers begin to sound like, hey, I don't know what this COVID-19 thing means, but God, can you rescue the stock market? God, can you show up and fix what's going on in our economy? God, can you get the NBA playing again? I mean, really, it's spring. We need NBA playoffs right now. All right, so I, I don't know what's on our list, but have you stopped to ponder what does God want in this moment? The God of the universe who created everything, not to, to live randomly, but to live for his purpose. What does he want? Well, in this Cyrus 19 event, what God wanted, he, he wanted salvation to come to man and for righteousness to be found in the world that he had created. Look here in verse 9. It says, Woe to him who strives with him who formed him. A pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? Or your work has no handles. Woe to him who says to a father, What are you begetting? Or to a woman, With what are you in labor? Right, this, this moment... It's very tempting in moments where life goes in a different direction than what we had hoped it was going to go in. It's very interesting moment for us to call God to answer to us. Like, God, what, what do you think you're doing, God? And in this moment, and this is not the only place where the scriptures do this, but in this moment, this voice from God comes through the prophet, and the prophet speaks to humanity and says, hey, uh, do you guys get what part you play in this and what part God plays in this? He's the creator. He's the potter. He's the one who takes a lump of clay out of nowhere that would have just continued to be a lump of clay, and he forms and fashions it into a particular type of pot. And then the pot never gets the right to turn back to the potter and say, what on earth are you doing? Where's the handles for this? Why did you make it this way? That's, that's an out-of-place question for the pot. It's a question the potter. Right? And listen, I get right now, when life creates difficulties and we go through suffering and we face delays, things that we hope for aren't happening right now, um, things that we had planned in the next few months are going to be changed and altered, our finances are suffering, we're suffering in the midst of what's going on here. It's, it's tempting in that moment to turn back to the Creator and to question Him. Say, what are you doing? 
But fundamental to you and I answering the question of what does this event mean is to recognize the world and, it, and the created order of everything belongs to God. It's his. It's rightfully his. Right? In verse 12, God is going to say, I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens and I commanded all their hosts. So you and I are right to answer this question in this moment. What does this event mean? Well, it, it, it means that the potter, the creator, is fashioning his universe. He's doing some things that he wants done in this hour. And, and what is that that God wants done? Well, in this verse... Salvation is a priority to this God, and righteousness is a priority to this God. So what is God doing in times of upheaval like this? Well, he's bringing that which has always been of primary importance to our existence and to the God who made everything. Salvation, which has to do with restoring us to the God who loves us. And righteousness, which has to do with everything living for the purpose that God created it for. So that's ultimately what God's up to right now behind the scenes in an event called COVID-19. Now, let me just say this. Let me rescue Isaiah from sounding like a bad guy to us. Right, I, Isaiah shows up in a moment, and he speaks a certain way. He's got a certain tone to him. He is God's appointed voice to interact with life at a moment where they need to hear some things that sound this way. But Isaiah says some, some encouraging things as well, right? Just a few chapters earlier in Isaiah chapter 40, there are moments where the prophet awakens hope and the anticipation of good, right? God does that as well when he speaks to us. Isaiah 40 verse 1 says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Right? We love the fact that God is gonna break into these mountains and valleys and level these things by his power. Right? There comes a day where God says, I'm going to bring comfort into all this pain that you're experiencing. So listen, God says that. Right? We know verses like this from Isaiah. We may not have been familiar with that verse or the previous one that I read from. But we all know this verse, right? Later on in chapter 40. It says, God gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. But we know this verse, right? But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Now, how many know that we might be tempted to parachute into the book of Isaiah into that verse right there? Right? We're, we're getting faint. Things are hard. We're running out of gas. We don't have the strength we need. And we're just going to parachute in to Isaiah chapter 40, right at the end there where it says, hey, God is the God who renews our strength. And he's gonna show up and renew your strength. Hey, I love that too. I love that it says that. 
But did you notice what it was saying a few chapters later? Did you notice, did you ever read how Isaiah, the prophet, starts? Did you know the same God who promises strength to the faint also said this in the beginning of Isaiah? He says, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Right, so, so listen. When the prophet in the Bible speaks, he shows up, he, he parachutes into what's going on currently in the world that we live in. And he brings commentary. And he points out things. And he makes promises about what God's going to do in the future and how God's going to show up in this way and in that way. And he also takes us behind the scene and he says, here's what's going on behind the scenes. Oh, and by the way, here's what's going on with you. Here are some things you might need to be aware of about yourself. Is there any room for that for us in this COVID-19 moment? Besides just hearing the Bible say, hey, those who are faint, God's going to provide strength. God's going to show up and make all the tough places go away and even everything out. God promises those kinds of things, but God also says these kinds of things to us. So what does this event mean? You guys go back and look at your notes that are in the app there. I think in some ways, daily difficulties, daily spaces of life that are hard, they, they simply mean this. We live in a fallen world. That's broken. And that brokenness washes up in our lives. And even from the beginning, God had subjected the broken world to a futility that he said that hopefully would cause us to turn to him. That's why is God making the world hard? Well, actually, God did that way back in the Garden of Eden. He didn't just do that when COVID-19 showed up. He did that in the Garden of Eden for a good reason. This is why a good God who loves us allows life to be difficult because the difficulty causes us to turn our attention away from right here and to turn it to God where it needs to be. So in some ways, every day on planet Earth is that, but I think there are some unusual moments where God specifically shows up, kind of like Cyrus 19 here or COVID-19 in our day, where God shows up intentionally to get our attention and to say, listen, I called you to something big and marvelous. I called you to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. That's what God wanted for the people that he created. So question, is that what we were busy doing back in the fall before all this happened? You know, back when corona meant beer. <laughs> it you know, didn't have anything to do with viruses. It just meant beer. What were we doing back then? Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm going to read you a couple of quotes from a couple of authors that I respect greatly, uh, who in, in many ways serve as a prophetic voice in our time. So one of them is from a, a book by Timothy Keller, who's just a short book, uh, was written in the first couple of months of this year. So before the coronavirus was out there, 
uh, he was writing a book titled this, How to Reach the West Again. It's a book written to pastors and to churches that were, were trying to reach into our culture that has so drifted away from God. So the title of it is How to Reach Them Again, because we're not reaching them. He said this. He said, the overall decline of Christian influence in the West is inarguable. Each generation is becoming less religious and less Christian. More than two-thirds of the churches in the United States have plateaued or are in decline, right? right? Why are churches in decline? Well, because people aren't interested in going to church. People aren't interested in the topic of God and serving him and knowing him. We've just lost interest in this in our culture. He says, instead of wringing our hands over the loss of cultural influence in the Western culture, this decline should prompt us to, listen, examine ourselves, pray, and work toward a new missionary engagement in our Western culture. Today, Churches in Western society have to deal with something they have never faced before, a culture increasingly hostile to their faith. So, so that's the world that COVID-19 comes into, a world that was becoming increasingly hostile to the God who created us, a world that was figuring out left and right how to do life on earth without paying attention to God, without learning of him or knowing him or getting around him. That's the world that COVID-19 intruded on and turned everything upside down. And I love Tim Keller's invitation here. This should prompt us to examine ourselves and pray. What does a, what does a moment like this mean? Well, have you done that? Have, have you sensed that maybe right now this pause is a good moment for me to examine myself and pray and ask God, what are you doing in all this noise? What, what are you showing me about life and about me and about you and about how life is being done in my world and how I'm doing life? Or are we just praying and saying, God, would you make this go away? God, would you speed it up? God, would you create a vaccine? Is that the only thing we're asking God to do? Keller goes on later in his book. He says, we are entering a new era in which in many places in the West, there is not only no social benefit to being a Christian, but an actual social cost to espousing faith. Culture is becoming more actively hostile toward Christian beliefs and practices. Semi-biblical, generically religious beliefs in God, in truth, sin, and the afterlife are disappearing in more and more people as culture produces people for whom Christianity is not only offensive, but incomprehensible. We're a culture that doesn't talk much about God, about truth, about sin, about the afterlife. Listen, we've got priorities, but you know what? In Isaiah 45, God shows up in the world in that Cyrus 19 moment with some priorities. And God says his priorities are salvation and righteousness and people turning to him. That's God's priorities. 
But that may or may not be the priorities of the day in which we live. Right? So, so consider with me. God created man. We're not random accidents. God created us. And he created us with a purpose. He wants something for his creation. And, and Jesus was asked a question one day about, you know, God's greatest command. What's, what's the most important thing to God? And Jesus answered that question this way. He said to him, Matthew chapter 22, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Everything else about our life and our existence answers to that first. And a second command is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus summed up our existence in those two sentences. So what is God after? You can go back and read this in your app. I wrote it out. God's purpose is to have a people who pursue and possess and are passionate about loving and worshiping God. They are interested and affectionate. They are delighting and devoted. They have active and daily affection toward God. That's a far cry from just a people who might acknowledge that there's a higher power out there somewhere. God wants affectionate delight, enjoyment, worship, and exchange of relationship with our creator. John Piper, another voice that has come into this hour, John has written a short book since the coronavirus came out called The Coronavirus and Christ. And John has always been a bit of a prophet-type voice to the world that he writes to and communicates to. He is often beaming into the moment and speaking from God's perspective about what's going on right here, right now. He says this, in our present condition, after the fall, blinded by sin, we cannot see or feel how repugnant sin against God is. I mean, it just doesn't bother us. Hardly anyone in the world feels the horror of preferring other things over God. That's almost a ridiculous phrase, right? Horror? The horror of just kind of deprioritizing God? The horror of something else eclipsing God in importance? He goes on and he says, Who loses any sleep over daily belittling of God by neglect and defiance? Would that we could all see and feel how repugnant, how offensive, how abominable it is to treat our maker with contempt, to ignore him and distrust him and demean him and give him less attention in our hearts than we give to the style of our hair. And let that radical, prophet-like sentence come to us. What do moments like this mean? Do they reveal something to us about how disinterested we are in God? How boring we find Him? How much He had a purpose that we're busy with other things and everything from hairstyles are more important and more capturing and more enamoring to us than the God who created us. Piper goes on and says, we 
need to see this and feel this or we will not turn to Christ for salvation from the ugliness of sin. We may cry out to escape the penalty of sin, but we will see and hate the God-demeaning moral ugliness of sin. God is mercifully shouting to us in these days, wake up! Sin against God is like this. It is horrible and ugly and far more dangerous than the coronavirus. You know, I, I heard someone reference, and I've seen some reports on this, that there are more people praying now than have been in years and years and years. And, and I'm grateful for that on many fronts. But what are we praying? What are we reading in a world that we live in that we're praying out of? Are we reading, hey, the wind's blowing from the south. Looks like it's going to be hot. Hey, God, could you provide some air conditioners for us? Could you give us some shade to protect us from the heat that's coming? Uh, Jesus said, oh, there's more going on than just the weather. Can I tell you there's more going on than COVID-19 in our world? There's more going on than a collapsing economy. There's more going on than all the questions in the natural aspect of our life that are getting generated right now. God is doing something to interact with our lives in this moment. God is shouting at us to wake up to the things that are most important in our lives. And I want to be careful that we don't miss this moment. And listen, I had to wrestle with this message because this message feels corrective, doesn't it? So I had to wrestle with the thought, is this a moment for the people of God and for anybody who's tuned into this who are just curious about God, is this a moment for us to feel corrected? I had to wrestle with that. I had to also bring myself into agreement with God's word. You know, the Bible doesn't mind correcting us. Because sometimes we just need to be corrected. Sometimes the Bible is trying to rescue us from further self-harm, from missing what's important in our lives. Listen, you know, if you're a professional golfer and you're not playing right now, maybe you're spending time with your coach or whatever, and your coach corrects you because your, your swing's got flaws in it and it keeps making the ball go in the wrong direction. Do you hate that when he does it? Or do you welcome that when he does it? Well, it just depends on whether or not you want to win, right? Whether you want to be good at being a golfer. What, what if I want to be fully a human being the way in which my creator designed me to live for his glory and his purpose and experience the joy of being on an adventure in the world that God created. What if I want that? And then God speaks in and says, well, well Keith, I'm gonna have to correct your backswing here. Because when you go to do life, you're all off balance and, and you're living in the wrong spaces and you're stepping into the wrong places with your life. So can we correct that so you can go on? See, in that moment, correction is not a bad thing, is it? Listen, I've been very careful if you've been tracking along with us. I have, I have used my pastor voice for five weeks leading into this one. Uh, the messages have all been about God being near to us, God caring for us, God coming in the form of a human being and taking our suffering on himself. 
about how to find peace in the midst of troubling times, about how Jesus helps us in our anxiety, right? So, so for five weeks, last week was the hope that we have of the resurrection. For five weeks, I've been a pastor to those of you who are part of our flock. But God puts prophets in the Bible for a reason as well. And they have a voice that needs to be heard And like Isaiah bringing an insight into their moment, I think prophetic voice needs to find its place in our lives. God is trying to fix some things in our world. Much bigger than a vaccine. Although I pray for a vaccine. I pray for the common grace and goodness of God to be tasted by people. But God is doing more than that. And And I hope you're open to that. I hope that your heart wants what God wants in this hour. Let me just frame my last thought here by pulling a few of these thoughts together from Isaiah. In that chapter, Isaiah 45, in that Cyrus 19 moment, God stepped into that and spoke to people and he said, I am the Lord. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. Shower, oh heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Is the God of Isaiah 45 saying something like that to us in our COVID-19 moment? Well, listen, I, I know you're maybe sitting in a room in your house, maybe you're sitting with family members or friends, but, but can we just let God get personal and draw near to us? That's what God wants to do. God does not want to be at a distance. He wants to draw near right now to us. So can we just, I mean, if you've got to close your eyes wherever you are and just kind of get private, just you and the Lord, you asking God, God, what are you doing in this moment all around me? What are you doing in our world in the midst of this event that has brought so much calamity and upheaval? But I just read a passage that you're the God who's active behind the calamities. You're at work and you want something. I believe you want something from me right now. What if God is upsetting the established order? The gates of bronze, bars of iron, strong economies, the technology and the medicine. What if God is upsetting those things because he wants the heavens to rain down salvation and righteousness on our lives. What if that's what God wants? What if God in his love is reaching out to a people and saying, listen, stop trying to make a dollar fix your life. Stop trying to find hope and security in a medicine or in the stock market or in whatever. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. Turn to me. What if God 
is doing something massive in this moment to get our attention to turn to Him. Well, maybe you've been feeling that in your own life. Maybe that's what you've been walking through for a while. You're sensing God wants to be bigger in your life. God wants to show up. God has shown how thin our lives can be when they're devoted to the wrong things and how vulnerable we are to fear when He's not at the center of it all for us. What if this moment is God giving each of us the opportunity to turn to Him in a way that maybe we never have? Maybe we've been putting that off. Maybe God's been on the periphery for way too long. Well, you know what you can do? You, you can take God up on this invitation. Listen, this moment where God says that through Isaiah, He says it throughout the Bible. Jesus invited people, come to me, come to me, turn to me, all you who are wearied and heavy laden. Come to me, learn of me. So right now, if that's something you want to do, God is a listening God and he's a communicating God. You tell God that. Turn to him right now with your eyes closed and your own heart, maybe get in a little bit of a moment of silence. Walk out the room if you have to. Go for a walk in your neighborhood. Go get by yourself in a room in your house. And tell God, God, I want to turn to you. I want to look beyond the weather patterns of life. And I want to look to you, the God who created me, to what you're doing right now. I, I want my life to be saved. I want it to be restored to you. Ask God to do it right now. He will do that. Listen, last week we celebrated the biggest event that ever happened in human history the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why did that happen? Well, so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins and restored to God. So that there'd be no barrier. Remember the God who says he can break down the gates of bronze and the doors of iron? Well, sin created a separation between us and God. But God sent another anointed one. His name wasn't Cyrus. His name was Jesus. And he came to break down the bondage that we were in and to restore us to himself. Cyrus is just telling Jesus' story in a unique way. That same God right now. He says, I can break down the barrier between us. You come to me. Turn to me. I'll give you life. And if you ask him to, he will give you life right now. If you trust in what happened last weekend, we celebrated it. Jesus' death and his burial and resurrection gives us a, access to a new life. And you can ask God for that life. Put your trust in Jesus. Hope in him. He's going to show up in this moment. He's going to lead us through this. He's going to get us to the other side. But don't just be praying to get to the other side. Be praying and asking God, God, what do you want to do in this moment? What do you have for me in this moment? God, do get me to the other side. But don't just get me to the other side the same way I was last fall. Get me to the other side, having drawn near to you, having been impacted by you, having been freshly affected by you. We close us in prayer, and Eric's going to lead us into a closing song. Lord, thank you that we are not random accidents in this universe. Thank you for 
intentionally creating us and watching over every day of our lives. Thank you for being the God who creates light and darkness, well-being and calamity. Lord, thank you for assuring us that there's never a moment that you're out of control or that you can't handle it. God, you can overthrow the exalted things and bring your good purpose into our lives. We want that. God, we want that. So in this unique season, God, teach us to hear from heaven what you are doing and what you are saying at this COVID-19 moment of our lives. In Jesus' name. Let's respond to God in song. You, O oh Lord, are a holy God. Your ways are perfect and just. Slow to anger and abounding in love. You've shown us the Father's heart. But we, your people, have turned from you, resisted your power and grace, taking our lives into our hands. We have stumbled and lost our way. So we humble ourselves before you and confess our unfaithfulness toward you. Forgive our sin, remove our shame, restore the church that
Forgive our sin. Hear our prayers. Lord, hear our confession. Lord, hear, receive, God, our brokenness. Receive us in humility. Lord, we, we come as humble as we can, Lord, to respond to you. We come asking for you to lead us, Lord, for you to make the most of this pandemic, this quarantine, Lord, this difference in life. Lord, we don't want to miss what you are doing. God, so receive our confession, receive our brokenness, Lord, receive our contriteness, Lord, as worship to you, as turning our attention back to you, God, Lord, and, and bring revival to your church, Lord, do that, Lord, awaken fresh desire, fresh obedience, fresh affection for you, Lord, uh, Lord, I, I pray that you would give renewed faith and energy to read your word and to pray and commune with you, God. Lord, do this in your church that we might be revived, that our spirits would be revived, that this, this institution that you call your church would be compelling to the world around us, Lord, that we would have an answer of hope to give to a world who desperately needs hope right now, or that comes as, as we are our are finding our hope in you, God, as we are, are broken and contrite before you, as we are, are fixing our eyes upon you, Lord. So do this work in us, we pray. Lord, receive our praise. Be glorified. It's in your name. Oh, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Look forward to seeing you next week, church. Have a great week this week, living for God's glory, singing his praise, honoring him. Look forward to seeing you again.